chapter 8, Exodus chapter 8, 1 through 32. And who wants to read verses 1 through 15? I can make it. Who wants to read verses 16 to 32? Awesome. Thanks, Exodus 8. Yeah, Exodus 8, 16 to 32. I'll read. Uh, my wife already. Okay. Yeah, she actually yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we'll go get started again. Seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. Then no, no, Lord... I eight, chapter 8, verse 1. Oh, that's the uh, 25th verse of, of the line. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Of course. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send them a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into the houses of your officials and your people and into your ovens and kneading frogs. The frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same thing by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said. Moses replied, It will be as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials and your people. They will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. They were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on men and beasts. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magician tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on men and beasts. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God, but Pharaoh's heart and pardoned, for he would not listen to them as the Lord has said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, so that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you, and your servants and your people, and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies, and all the ground will lay his hands. On that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. 
Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall help it. And the Lord did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and to his servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice your job within the land. Then Moses said, It would not be right to do so, for the offering you shall sacrifice to the Lord our God an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh says, said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swamps of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked, and removed the swamps of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people, not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and did not let the people go. Great. So where were we? We had just a few weeks off, and, and uh, as we know, the, in the first seven chapters, Israel is under bondage, and they're in slavery to Pharaoh, and God hears their cry. Why does why does God respond to them? They're, we know that we saw back in chapter three that when they were crying out suffering, they weren't actually praying, and yet God uh, responded to their suffering nonetheless. Why did God do that? Remember? Why would God do that? They had long forgotten him. It would appear. Well, because of the promise made to Abraham, right? He made a promise to uh, Abraham, and and uh, so God is is keeping his promise. And then God um, reveals Himself to uh, Moses. He reveals Himself to um, the Egyptians and Pharaoh, and He says, I'm, "I'm Yahweh. I am who I am. You can't bring me down to your level. I will be who I will be." And remember, what was the response of Moses? Israel and Pharaoh. What was the response to that revelation? Was it faith? Uh, very little. Maybe Moses, a little bit. Maybe with Israel, maybe in word only. They said they would believe, but we find out they really don't. And then, how does Pharaoh respond? Who's Yahweh? I don't know who this 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 guy is. And so, there's this war that begins between Yahweh and Pharaoh, a war of ten plagues. And and, and the ten plagues uh, corresponded with the ten... In Genesis 1, there's ten God-said statements in Genesis 1. Ten words. And so those ten plagues correspond with those ten words uh, in, in Genesis 1 to show that God is the creator. He is What he wants to show to Pharaoh that, that he is the creator. And those ten, word, those ten words in Genesis 1, they correspond to what? What, else, what other number 10 do you see? The Ten Commandments, right? And those Ten Commandments are what? Creation principles codified, given to Israel. And, and, the, and then, furthermore, we learned a few weeks ago that those ten plagues are broken down, in, for the most part, in sets of three. And, and each triad of plagues corresponds to one of the major constituent parts of creation. First, it was uh, water in the first three plagues. That had to do with, to, to show that God is creator over the water and then over the land and then over the air. And the ten plagues show God's dominance over the Egyptian pantheon. Um, in the first plague, God attacked the Nile, the wellspring of Egypt's economy and social and religious order. And um, if you want to get uh, Egypt's attention, you, you you start with the Nile, right? That's 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 the best place to start, and it does get their attention. And he turns the Nile River into blood, and the god of the Nile was named Happy, and the the turn into the blood shows what that Happy's dead. And this first plague was retaliatory in nature. Uh, Pharaoh had made Israel sacrifice their ch- children to the god Happy, and so and so God responds with, "I'm going to kill Happy." 
Furthermore, though, that first plague forced Egypt to what? Dig dirt now to find water. They never, they never had to do this before. And, and so God is humiliating Egypt. In the same way that Pharaoh humiliated Israel by making them look for straws to make bricks, now God retaliates on behalf of his people. We see the justice of Yahweh in these plagues. Today in chapter 8, we're going to consider three more plagues. The plague of, of frogs, um, the plague of gnats, and the plague of flies. Uh, verse 1. Uh, Yahweh said to Moses, Come to Pharaoh and say to him, uh, Thus says Yahweh, Let my people go, that they may serve me. No longer is the plea... Remember the initial plea? What was the initial Moses' initial plea? That, that, that Pharaoh do what? What did uh, Moses ask Pharaoh to allow the people to do what? To go to, on a three-day event to worship. And, and that was kind of the ancient Near East way of bargaining. Um, it was kind of a, a way for Pharaoh to agree with that, that would allow him to save face as the leader, as the ruler, as, a, as even a god of Egypt. Now the, the conditions have changed. It's just an uh, uh, in-your-face, explicit, full, permanent release. Let my go, let my people go that they may serve me, that they may be my slaves, technically. So Exodus isn't uh, specific. I mean, you really put it in, in detail. Um, Exodus, Exodus isn't about freedom, but it's about exchanging one form of slavery to another, from a bad slavery to a, a good slavery. Israel goes from being Pharaoh's slaves to Yahweh's slaves. You see that in Romans 6, right? We were slaves to sin, and the gospel freed us not to do whatever we want to do, but to become slaves to righteousness. We're just different. We go from slaves to an evil master to a benevolent master. Um, everybody's a slave to somebody. Uh, it's just who, who your master is. Um, Verse 2, he says, If you refuse to let him go, behold, God says, I will smite your whole territory with frogs. Uh, I just love this verse, verse, uh, verse 2. You know, it's kind of like, if I'm this great ruler, you know, battling this other great ruler, you know, I might say, I will decimate everybody. I will, I will, you know, if I'm this, like, this, this, like, this killer ruler, uh, dictator, I will, you know, kill every man, woman, and child. But here he says, I'm gonna send this plague, fill the plague with frogs! You're like, oh, <laughs> frogs. So you see God's sovereign power on one hand, and you see God's patience and mercy. And just, this is, these are just warning shots. This is just really, really annoying. Um, you see all that in the name of Yahweh. Patient, sovereign power. Um, authority, yes, the, in verse 2, there's the pronoun I in this. That's Usually the, the, the verbs contain the pronoun. Um, and so to have a separate pronoun I is, is quite rare. And so verse 2 is emphasizing God's authority, but there's a little twist. It's like, I am going to send all these frogs up to your land. Um, verse 3, it says, and the Nile will swarm with frogs. This is kind of interesting, that word swarm. Do you have, does everybody have a smartphone? So go to everybody, get a little smartphone. Go to www.stepbible.org. This is what I do a lot. www.stepbible.org. Everybody have that? Let me pull that up. S-T-E-P-Bible.org. So, www.stepbible.org. Are you there? Go to chapter, go to Exodus, choose Exodus, and choose chapter 8. Are you all there? Good. So now you go to, if you, see, if you pull it up, you'll see the chapter, and then there are words that are in different colors, in, in the blue color. Verse 3, go to, the, go, there's Nile, and then go to the word of, uh, um, 
Go to the, uh, press the word swarm. You gotta press the word swarm. Everybody see that? And then it curtain. And touch the same word again to see more information. And then this word, look what it says. This word occurs about 14 times. You see that word analysis? Everybody see that? You see that? Okay, press the 14 times. And it shows you everywhere it's listed. Who needs help? The word analysis, you can press the 14. It's not pulling out. Is it not pulling out for anybody? Yeah. It is for you, Donna? Oh, so I'm, I'm actually in Blue Letter Bible. It does the same thing. Um, okay. No, if you if you press if you press it, it'll it it, it doesn't doesn't it it won't show you. But if you look at the left, it, it'll you'll see it. So it doesn't. It, it, do you do you see how it, it shows where all all is listed? You just go back to the text. You see it? I'll help you. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, just highlights. Yeah. So you see. Okay, you got it. You got it. Stay on that page. You got it. Did you get it? Did you get it? Look at the page. Oh. Yeah. It's blocking. Okay. You got it. Oh yeah, Bob. Okay. You guys want to look back or something? So you're no 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 no. That was okay. Exodus eight. Then you go to swarm. Swarm again. It's like those concordances at all. Yeah, yeah, kind of like the concordance. Oh, so we go here. How do you do this? Why is it not working? You know how I get it over here, Donna? How do I get it over here? I'm trying to do the same thing. So it's there, but I just need to. Oh, oh, X out there. It is X out. X out there. That, 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 like, I have the same problem. Oh, I see it. I see it. So it puts it in context. You know, the yeah. places that it's. But it shows the original. The site is blocking Chrome. Oh, it's it's not, it is oh, on. You can't scroll. Oh. Okay. Well, I don't have this app, but I think it's a good option. Okay, so Jen, I pulled it up for you. There's every, there's every verse where that word swarm is. Do you see it? Yep. I don't have it. Can you do Step Bible? Step Bible? Oh, yeah, Step Bible, yeah. Blue Letter Bible? WW. So I should hit on Swarm. No, no, you, you got it. I do not touch anything now. So every time you see it, Swarm, there's Swarm, Swarm, Swarm. So just leave that there. I'm going to, and then you can go up and down. Go to Exodus 8. Hit Swarm. Hit Swarm again. Hit 14 times. And then go to that, try to get to that side. Yes. Got so I got it. Everybody got that? Awesome. Awesome. I have the app. doesn't show that. Okay, let me see yours. Yeah, I already downloaded the app. Yeah. 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 Where's the app? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, there. Yeah, so you can do like the app doesn't have that. Right. So, uh, it shows like the Hebrew. Uh, so yeah. Oh, the app doesn't have that. That's really that's really lame. Yeah. So I would go to the just go to the website. So you have it, okay? Yeah. All right. Stepbible.org. So, uh, Moses is the same author, right? And it's used 14 times. And so, you, you, so you, you want to you want to say, okay, so so Exodus eight three. 
Oh, where is it? So you're looking at the times it's used before Exodus 8.3, and it's not a lot of times, right? You see it one other time in Exodus 1.7, when the people were fruitful and swarmed. Some commentators say, yeah, there's some type of uh, connection being made between the people increasing and the swarming with frogs. And, and that's wrong, because even though you have a grammatical similarity, you don't have a, th- a thematic similarity. It doesn't make sense. Like, what does uh, Israel uh, exploding in, in population uh, have to do with the frogs exploding? I mean, you have to make up some esoteric reason. So it can't, it can't be a connection there. Uh, but if you look at uh, Genesis 1... Um, and, and we're gonna go. You're gonna go there. That, that's the kind of the first place you're gonna. Uh, one of the major places you're gonna go to, because you know this is about God as Creator, right? You know this is about God as Creator, and so it has to have something connection there. And you see the word in Genesis one twenty: uh, "Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures." And then you're like, hmm, uh, this has to do with. With the water, though, and isn't the a water day two? This is day five. So why is Moses making this connection to day five instead of day two? But if you were uh, here during our Genesis study, you would have heard me in a sermon, um, uh, or no, I'm sorry, if you were in our OT survey, you would have heard me talk about how the days of creation are, they, 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 they connect, they, they, they correspond with, with, with one another. So day one and day four go together. Day one is about light. Day four is about the sun, moon, and the stars. Day two is about the sea. And day five is about how God fills the sea with animals. Aha! Right? But you're saying, ah! Remember we talked about that the plagues, number one, two, three, has to do with God uh, and his sovereignty, his creatorship over the water. And so this just... um, further proves that thematic connection, right? Just as God filled the waters with living creatures, here in plague number two, God is filling the the waters of the Nile, the, the waters of the Nile with frogs to show that I am the creator over the waters, right? So, so to show you how I we we, 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 we make these conclusions about what Moses is trying to demonstrate. Here it's a really easy one because the word's not used very many times, 14 times, and we see it uh, used in really, in really key places, really in the beginning of Genesis, once in Exodus, right? And then you can make these biblical theological connections. Now, when the word is like, 600 times, and you, it's, it's hard to make a connection. But 14 times, that's right. So it's a key word, swarmed with frogs. Um, uh, God is attacking the, the Egyptian pantheon while he's demonstrating his creation power. Now, for, let me tell you something about frogs. Uh, when you think of frogs, you think of what? You know, Kermit and him singing that song, it's not easy being green, right? And the thing like... Justin's favorite stuffed animal at home, Kermit the Frog, right? And, uh, no, I'm just kidding, I don't know if that's true, right? But the frogs, they were the, uh, in this, in this time, they were the symbolic figure of the goddess Hecht. Uh, and Hecht was the goddess of the midwives. So, um, what is God saying? What is God saying? What, what, what is God doing by filling the, the Niles, filling the land? Over, overflowing with frogs. What is he trying to say to Pharaoh? Knowing that the the frogs were the the symbol of the goddess Hecht, who was the goddess of midwives. What is God doing by uh, sending all these frogs? Well, where did we see midwives before, right? In, in, in Exodus 1, and he's brutalizing the midwives, he's forcing them to participate in this great act of genocide, and God is saying, you know what, I'm going to kill the God of the midwives. This is retaliation, justice, poetic justice, poetic justice. It's um, dramatic, it's uh, humiliating, and yet it's just a warning shot, a warning shot across the bow. 
You know, uh, the uncomfortability of the Nile being turned to blood was one thing, but having frogs invade every area of human life, from your kitchen to your bathroom to your bedroom, that's taking it to a whole new level. I mean, that's pretty pretty ugly, right? They, slimy, unsanitary, unpleasant to touch frogs. Do you like, do you like to hold frogs? Um, there would be this constant annoyance of listening to the frogs croak and, and peep through the houses. Just imagine the disgust that you would experience in your house as you stepped on the frogs, right? As far as we know, Egyptians didn't wear shoes inside. So you would step on the frogs and it would be a mess. And then uh, people back then, they didn't have be- like raised beds that you slept on the floor. And so you're rolling over on frogs. And just imagine trying to sleep. And you're like, the frogs are everywhere. And you roll over and it's like, squish, squish. Ooh. Think about all the times the Egyptians would be surprised by the frogs. You know, you open your oven, frogs come out. You know, you, uh, you take out... You open the cupboards, frogs. Um, this is really annoying. This is uh, annoying, uncomfortable, but but frightening. There's a there's a certain frightening degree of of, 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 of fear here. Verse five. Yahweh said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and over the pools, the cause the." Frogs to come up on the on the land of Egypt. Um, what, 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 I thought God was the God of, of water. Why, why why the land now? Well, we're getting a sneak peek of what's going to come in place four through six. And verse six, notice that the frogs cover the entire land of Egypt to to show God's total domination. The Egyptians try to do the same thing with their arts. In verse seven, we don't know what that was whether it was just a sleight of hand, whether it was like this uh, this hallucinogenic drug, hallucinogenic, whether it was satanic powers. In my opinion, I, I think it's I think it's just sleight of hand. They're just trying to sleight, do the sleight of hand, and and uh, and uh, it's re- it would be really easy to do, right? We talked about the the, the 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 staff where there's a snake in Egypt where it, it it stands erect and it looks like a staff, and when you throw it in the ground, it turns to it turned. It starts moving like a snake, so it could have been that, and I think it would have been easy to find a couple of frogs and kind of be like, "Hey, here's look, there's frogs, you know, <laughs> I can do that too." Um, but in spite of their attempts, this time uh, Pharaoh notices the disparity of what the magicians can do and what what God can do through Moses. And, and if you think about it, does Pharaoh need more frogs? No, Pharaoh needs less frogs. Um, the magicians do him no good if they're just producing more of what he doesn't want. Now, a new element appears in verse eight, something we haven't seen before. And and, and what do we? What, what, what's the first thing? What's the, what, what do we see in verse eight that we haven't saw before in the plays? What do we see where that, that we haven't seen before and so far in these plays in verse eight? Pharaoh acknowledges the Lord is an authority. Yeah, and what else does he do in verse 8? Ask for intercessory prayer. He asks for a prayer. Extremely unusual. Yeah, very good. Um, he asks for prayer. You see uh, a change of heart. Um, remember what he said at first? I don't know who Yahweh is. Well, he's beginning to know who Yahweh is, isn't he? But but what? Why do we still see a hard heartedness? Why do we know in verse eight he, he's still not there yet? What about verse eight tells us that Pharaoh's still not where he needs to be? Because what was what's the command of Yahweh in verse one? It's let them, let my people go that they may serve me. And Pharaoh says, no, I'll let the people go that they may sacrifice to Yahweh. Just worship, not 
Oh, yeah, just worship. Not be their slaves. They're my slaves. They're still my slaves. So uh, Pharaoh's still in this kind of bargain kind of mode. He doesn't want to fully admit admit total feet, total defeat. He can't say the word um, serve just yet. And then verse 9, um, Moses uh, responds, this is okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get rid of the frogs. And he's a little bit sarcastic here. May the honor be yours to tell me. And then he asked him, when shall I entreat for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your your houses, that they remain only in the knot? So Moses asked Pharaoh, when do you want the frogs to leave? And why is this question important? Why is that question important? And he says, when? And look at verse 10. Pharaoh says, tomorrow. And then Moses says, okay. And then verse 13, the very next day, all the frogs die. So why is that sequence important? Why does uh, Moses ask Pharaoh when, and then why is that timing really important? Because if it was, if it was any other way, what would people say? Oh, it's just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. The frogs were going to go away anyways, and you're just taking advantage of the of the situation. They're just like us today, right? What do we say when we look? Uh, when we what do people say about the miracles of the Bible? Oh, it was you know it was a low tide, you know, and they walk through natural phenomenon, you know, and they try to you know uh, you know you watch these kind of Discovery Channel things on the miracles of the Bible, and they go, look at this, you know, this happened. There was a there was a snowstorm, or there was a there was a, a, a rainstorm, and that could have been the the flood. And then they try to connect natural phenomena with miraculous power, and they were the same way then. And so Moses is saying, when do you want them to go? Tomorrow? Okay, tomorrow they're going to go. And, God, and Moses prays, and tomorrow they're, they're gone. God does as He says. That would show that would show Yahweh. That would show Pharaoh what? <clears throat> that would show Pharaoh what? Look at verse ten. Tomorrow he said, "May it be according to your word that you may know there is no one like Yahweh our God." That's why you need to know there's no one like Yahweh our God who can who can send frogs, multiply them like crazy. And then the day you say you want them to go, he kills them all. Yahweh needs to know there's no one like Yahweh. Israel needs to know there's no one like Yahweh. Moses needs to know there's no one like Yahweh. You, you guys, and I, me, we need to know there's nobody like Yahweh. Amen? Amen. Um, and so, verse 12 and 13 uh, Moses prays. He prays according to God's will. And, and we see the power of prayer when we pray according to the Master's will. God does what he says. So they piled them in heaps, and the land became foul. Uh, where have you seen that word foul before? Yeah. And the land, land stank. You press that little word. It occurs 18 times. Let's, let's do it again. Stank. So this is it's such a... When you're doing a Bible study and you have a passage, you just play with it. You just A lot of times I just type in every every single word. Every single word to see what, what's there. And you see the fish stink in chapter 7. And then two times the fish stink in chapter 7. You see the word that like we see here in chapter 8, verse 14, the, you know, the frog stinking. But where's the first time we saw it in Exodus 5? You look at step 5, it goes, it, it references Exodus 5.21, and the only time before that is Genesis 34. So it's really easy to make the connection here. It's just there's only... Three times it's used before. 
uh, four times it's used before. Two of the times in Exodus, it's used in the same way as it's used in chapter 8. But then Exodus 5 is where it all starts, right? The Lord look at you, look, look at you. This is when the, the Egyptian foreman came to Moses and Aaron to complain. You made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh, right? And so what do we already know about God's retaliatory uh, justice? You made my people stink. Now you're going to stink. You're going to stink. You made my people stink. You're going to stink, right? You do a little work. You just press on that word, and you can see the, the connections that Moses is making. I like that Bible because it other accordances use the same English word, but the original language behind it is not necessarily the same thing, so you might be making the wrong connections. Step Bible shows you the exact the Hebrew word in the original language of every time it's used. So you can make, make, make you can be really clear on it. I, mean, I, I discover so much stuff when I do that. I mean, so much, so many things that commentators miss because they don't want to. It's too simple for them. They're too sophisticated for that. Now, the Pharaoh, verse fifteen. Pharaoh saw that there was relief, and he hardened his heart with firmness and did not listen to him as Yahweh had spoken. Had spoken. Remember, there are three different Hebrew words God uses for when Pharaoh hardens his heart. And how, which one is this one? Which one is this one? This one is the one um, that that the word here is kavod or heavy. That same word used for glory. So here. Moses is saying, Pharaoh is stealing God's glory. That's the emphasis. The, the Legacy Standard Version, as I mentioned uh, last time, it's the only translation that I know of that it actually, in the English, distinguishes all three usages for you. So you, you, just, you can see every time it's used differently, the LSV will distinguish it for you. And so, when... Um, the, when, when, the, when the emphasis is, the, is on God stealing God's glory, the LSB translates it, he hardened his heart with firmness. Um, when the emphasis is on God strengthening Pharaoh's will to do what he's already wanted to do, um, verse 19, verse chapter 8 says, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened with strength. Right? So it uses it that way. Uh, Look at 32, hardness, heart with firmness, different way. And then chapter 7, verse 3. Chapter 7 through the 3, God says, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart with stiffness. Another way, different, different Hebrew word. And that shows God's sovereignty over Pharaoh's heart, ultimately to make Pharaoh's heart unbreakable. So the LSB, LSB does that for you, and I think that's a really, really cool feature about this translation. Because it does have interpretive significance. So, now, if you don't have the LSB, you can either buy it, or you can use, uh, you can just use the Step Bible, press on the word, and it'll give you the Hebrew word, and you can see the different Hebrew words, so you can do it the long way. So, if you don't want to be cool like, like me, so, um, once again, Pharaoh reneges on his promise. He doesn't free the Israelites like he said he would. We go to the third plague. We go to the third plague. Um, Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and, and strike the dust of the earth. Where is, where is, that's, that's kind of interesting. Let's do a little step Bible on dust. Let me press dust. That used 110 times. This is a little hard because because it's, it's, it's a more common word. 100 times is a lot. But, again, if you go, it's it's strange that, I mean, the, there's this um, there is this creation theme in these templates. And lo and behold, you see that word in Genesis 2. When God formed the man of dust from the ground. 
And so now uh, you say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth. Um, see, there's nothing ever random about the Bible. There's no... See, we think there's like all these random things, and so we don't further investigate. We think, oh yeah, dust of the earth, it's kind of random, whatever. Um, but no, it's never random. There's a reason for that. If you do a simple a word study, you see that it's the first time you see it, it's when God made man out of the dust of the ground, right? Remember the axe, the, the Philippian jailer, and there's lightning, and there's an earthquake? And I, I was thinking to myself, that's kind of random. An earthquake right before the before the Philippian jailer you know, and, and he frees the prisoners, and but then I told myself, what? There's never anything random in the Bible. The little word study, find an earthquake like five times in the New Testament, all referring to when Jesus returns. Oh, okay, he's making a point about Jesus' return. Same way here. So what's the point being made? It's, it's to show that God is sovereign over the water, over the land, and he's sovereign over man. And that by the time this ends, God is going to punish the man, Pharaoh. Um, every, every three plagues, it ends with an assault on man, if you, know, if you notice later. Now, what are these gnats? Um, it's kind of a, in the Hebrew, it could be any kind of insect that bites. Name some insects that bite, that hurt, that kind of hurt, or that are annoying. Mosquitoes? Yeah, what else? Bees? Yeah, bees, hornets, uh, you know, bed bugs. You know? Yeah. Um, and so it, it could have been any of those things. Well, probably mosquitoes, a lot of people think. And so God multiplies. There's mos- Just imagine mosquitoes everywhere. You ever sleep in a room at night and there's like five mosquitoes in your room? <laughs> oh like my one. goodness, right? It's really annoying. Like you said, what? Nah, what? I couldn't hear what you said. Like what? In your room? Have you ever slept in a room where there's like five mosquitoes kind of flying around? Yeah. Yeah. And then you wake up and you spend two hours trying to kill every mosquito. And then you finally think you got them all. You turn off the light and there's one more. You wait, turn the light again, and spend another hour trying to find that mosquito. Just imagine there's mosquitoes everywhere. I mean, what would you do? You have you have you basically have to sleep in a blanket, cover yourself in a blanket, each if it's hot, no air conditioning, and then have very have a very uncomfortable night. Um, more of the same here. Um, annoying, humiliating, but you see God's graciousness, his patience. You see his sovereignty, but he's just saying, hey, repent before it's too late. Repent before it gets any bigger. The magicians try to do this, and it seems like they, 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 they spend some time trying to replicate the, 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 the plague. Verse 18, they did the same with their secret arts in order to bring uh, forth gnats, but they couldn't do it. Um, and that's pretty hard. How do you, how do you like train mosquitoes? You right? You can, you can maybe frogs and maybe snakes, but mosquitoes are kind of that's a, that's a whole nother level of trickery. Um, how would you you need to capture them and then release them at the right time? And they would need to act exactly the way you would want them to. If this was a hallucinatory kind of hallucinogen kind of thing, I mean, you can you might be able to imitate seeing the gnats and mosquitoes, but you couldn't replicate the mosquitoes biting you and, and leaving welts and and scratching. Verse nineteen, the magicians say to Pharaoh, "This is the finger of God. This is the finger of God." Before God said to Pharaoh in chapter three, or said to Moses to tell Pharaoh, He told Moses, "You know what?" Only a strong hand will convince Pharaoh. Only a strong hand. And so even though the magicians say this is a, this is the finger of God, this is just a, a, a warning, we already know that, that Pharaoh needs more than a finger. He needs God's strong hand. And now we move to the fourth plague uh, in chapter 8. And this is where the second triad of plagues begin. How do we know this is that's the case? How do we know this is the, 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 the second second triad? I mentioned it last time we were there together. 
something happens at the beginning of the fourth play, the second trio, that happened in the in the first play. That happens again in play number um, number seven. But you see uh, said at the beginning of, of play one, play four, and play seven that you don't see elsewhere. Each time you see God tell Moses, rise up in the morning, right? As he's going out to the water. Uh, that, that's chapter 7, verse 15, the first play. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he's going out to the water. Verse 20, chapter 8, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh as he goes out to the water. And then, um, chapter 9, verse 13, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. So each time, and again, there's nothing random about this. There's a reason that, that Moses is doing it, is, is mentioning this. And, and, and it did happen, it, it, it providentially happened, but it also serves as a literary marker to divide these three sets of plays. Now we move to God's um, sovereignty over the land, over the land. He says, let my people go that they may serve me, uh, that they may be my slaves. For if you do not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you, and on your servants, and on your people, and into your houses. And, and the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies, and, and also the ground on which they stand. This has to do with the land. This land isn't Pharaoh's land. The land is God's land. Um, but there's another new element that we haven't seen before in the plagues in this fourth plague. What do we see in this fourth plague that we haven't saw before in the first three plagues? The answer is in verse 22 and 23. You see distinction, right? This distinguishing. And this is pretty awesome, right? Think about it. Do flies discern boundaries, political boundaries and, and nationalities? Do flies, you know, biting flies, do they decide on whom they will land and on whose skin they're going to bite? You ever been to a country where they only bite foreigners? No. They bite everybody, right? But God says, no, no, no. These flies... They're only going to bite you. They're only going to bite the Egyptians and not my people. They're not going to cross. They're not going to go into the land of Goshen. They're going to stop there. You know, and 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 and, and God shows shows Pharaoh this is not natural phenomenon. This is God turning nature on his head. And this would encourage Israel on the one hand, and it would frighten the Egyptians on the other hand. And this is really annoying. Have you ever tried to eat outside with a lot of flies? Yeah. My Tina and I, we went to this barbecue place, remember, honey? About a year or two ago? And we were outside, it was a really good barbecue. There were flies everywhere. And you're just like, you're just like, kind of eating like this. And you're, the whole time my wife and I were just doing this. And, and yes, there were, always oh, we lived a lot, there were a lot, there were a lot of flies in Egypt before this. Um, there, there's a, there's a lot of flies in Egypt now. But this situation, there is this multiplication of flies, thousands and thousands of times over by God's hand, to the extent that, look what it says in verse 24, the land was laid waste because of the swarms of flies in all the land of Egypt. I mean, people couldn't eat without eating a whole bunch of flies at the same time. I mean, before, you were sleeping and you'd be rolling over frogs. Now you're sleeping covered with flies. You can't work because you're swatting the flies. You can't see because they're all, all over. Your skin is welted by all those fly bites. And in ancient times, the, 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 the window screen didn't exist. It was just a 
It was just an opening in the wall. It was an opening in the ceiling. That was it. it may, maybe some wealthier Egyptians, they would, they would fix cloth. They could have put, uh, put cloth on the doorways and the windows to keep out the insect swarm, but they wouldn't have done that because why? It's, it's hot in Egypt. And as soon as you do that, you're in, you're like in a sauna. I mean, and so you can either die of heat or you can be stormed on by flies. This is unbearably uncomfortable. Unbearably uncomfortable. But it still could be a lot worse, right? It could still be. So this is God's restraining, gracious, merciful hand. You stop, we see his sovereign power. Um, and Pharaoh, again, he's, he's beginning to weaken. He calls for Moses and says, okay, go, go sacrifice to your God within the land. He's still not broken, though. This is his land, he thinks. Moses says, no, I can't do that. That would be really dumb. Um, Moses says, we must go on a three-day journey into the wilderness, sacrifice to God or Yahweh. As he says to us, uh, this is Mo- Moses, this is not really uh, literal, it's an official, this is an idiom for, a three-day journey is an idiom for an official formal foreign visit. Sometimes it carries the overtones of far from here or very far away. And this is Moses being gracious for a Pharaoh to save face. Um, verse 27, we must go a three-day journey into the wilderness and sacrifice. You see Moses kind of capitulating here, doesn't have the same type of authority that God uh, told him, and he's trying to get Pharaoh off the hook. Pharaoh says, yeah, okay, you can go. Um, Mrs. Pharaoh's counteroffer is way of uh, acceding to the, um, Moses' demands without losing face before his people. And while he's at it, he says, could you pray before you leave? Because these flies are driving me crazy. Um, Moses says to, um, Moses went out from Pharaoh and treated Yahweh. And what, what does verse 31 say? Yahweh did according to the word of Moses. Cause the swarms of flies to depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. And so Yahweh is true to his word. You can trust Yahweh's word at face value. He does what he says, but does Pharaoh do according to his word? No. Verse 32. Pharaoh hardened his hard heart with firmness this time also, and he did not let the people go. No, Pharaoh wants the glory. He doesn't want to give God the glory of, of freeing his people. And so he, he, he steals God's glory, and that's what this last reference, this, the, the, the Hebrew word here with perharden has to do with kabod of glory. Uh, Pharaoh is stealing uh, God's glory. And so there you have it. Plagues 2, 3, and 4. 4 is the beginning of a, a second trio of, of plagues emphasizing God's sovereignty uh, over the land.